never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here. This is Eurofolk Radio, the Restoration Hour show with your host, Pastor Eli James. And my guest this evening is going to be Joey Thompson. How are you doing, Joey? Oh, I'm doing well, Eli. Glad to be here. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, glad to hear it. And I heard that uh, your uh, Feast of Tabernacle site got washed out by a hurricane. So uh, <laughs> have you found yeah. a, have you found a uh, another place to to gather? Eli, we have not. And, no. no? Um, no, no, we haven't. It's getting late in the game, and we're just looking for some inspiration as to where to go. Okay. It's just a small group of us, but uh huh, yeah. Okay, well, uh, are, are you anywhere near uh, Barnum and Bailey's <laughs> Circus Tent <laughs> Company? <laughs> right? Yeah, they yeah. might be able. Yeah, a big tent, probably. If that's the case, a big tent. You know, I, I don't know. I, I haven't. You know, since we held Eurofest in North Carolina, but that was on private property. I don't know if any of the state parks or national parks are allowing people in. I have no idea. They're, they're all closed. Here they're in Mississippi all... and most of the south, southern states, they are still closed, yes. Wow, wow. Well, I, I, you may have or not have heard that the governor of Florida, DeSantis, has declared that the lockdown and the pandemic is over. He, he's, he's opening yeah. everything up. So I don't know if it's yeah, a long but... ride for you. But uh, no, you know, it's not okay. All right, so you know, maybe the Florida Panhandle. Uh, there's something available there, you know. So yeah, we'll pray for you, and then uh, you know, I'll ask around, see if I can get somebody to uh, volunteer some space for you, okay? Because because uh, right. we're getting ready for the very last Feast of Tabernacles when he comes to Tabernacle with us, right? <laughs> we're getting right. really close to that last one. Okay, so. For those people who aren't familiar you know, with you and uh, what you're all about, by the way, folks, our, our topic today is going to be constitutionalism uh, with reference to common law and uh, you know the Bible, etc. And so the title of Joey Thompson's article here is Why the Original Constitution of the United States Cannot Work Today. But first, uh, why don't you give us some uh, quick background Tell us who you are, why you are, <laughs> and et cetera. Okay? Yeah. Well, Eli, very simply, uh, my wife and I have been studying the scriptures all of our life, really. We were both raised in the now defunct Worldwide Church of God. Oh, wow. And uh, okay. I, I am an ordained minister, ordained since 2003. Um, and Maria and I actually met, my wife, we actually met. Um, at a Bible study, and, you know, we we just hit it off studying the Scripture. Uh, I know of one other person, excuse me, I, let me rephrase that, I know of no uh-huh. single person that has more insight than my wife does 
in the scripture. And so I'm naturally attracted to her. Plus, she's very, very good looking. So <laughs> yeah, that's that, the way that works. Yeah, right. Um, right, right. I'm, I'm very blessed to be married to to a woman of, of like mind and of oh. outstanding faith. So I'll see it that way. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's such a tortured world with feminists of both genders <laughs> trying to take oh, yeah, over yeah. our country as we speak. They've taken over most of the Scandinavian countries, uh, although it looks to me like uh, Germany and the e- former Eastern Bloc countries are putting up mighty resistance to this progressivism, the, the liberal communist agenda. By the way, I don't know if you have saw in Bulgaria... They put up a uh, huge poster uh, for Kyle Rittenhouse. You are a hero. I did see that, yes. Y- yes. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. That, have, that young man uh, has, has really picked up in in popularity. I mean, yeah. he, he stood up and done something that all Americans should at least be willing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... so but, uh, what are you? Uh, were you one of the few that are actually raised in identity, raised in the covenant message? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know about a few. You know, the Worldwide Church of God was was uh, a thriving uh, organization, to say the least. The local congregation that I was a part of had a youth group of over two hundred, and uh-huh. to my to my knowledge, there's not one single person from that group that we would say study the scripture and, and certainly they've lost all knowledge of who Israel is. And they, many of them do not keep the Sabbath or the feast days anymore. I'm about to keep my 44th feast of tabernacles. Outstanding. And there's a, there's a, so we've been feast keepers all of our lives, but that of that generation, I'm, I may be one of the, the few, I won't say the only one, but certainly one of the few that are, are left still uh, upholding, covenant law and um you know the, the full covenant not just the ten commandments right right yeah so uh yeah uh, herbert w armstrong was uh was he influenced by british israel or is this something because uh when henry ford uh, his editor um when henry ford's editor william cameron wrote the book the covenant people uh, I, he may have influenced a lot of groups. Uh, any influenced by Cameron in Worldwide Church of God? Her, Herbert Armstrong uh, got a hold of uh, what is it? Um, Joseph's birthright, um, the, the Judah scepter, and Joseph's birthright. Uh, uh, um, okay. After his conversion of the Sabbath, he was a Quaker, and he his wife convinced him to uh, to, to look at the Sabbath. He tried to prove his wife wrong. And about six years after coming to the understanding of the truth of the Sabbath, he he found the feast days and also about the same time who Israel is. And from there, you know, he he wrote um, several books upon the, the, the most famous being, um, let's see, uh, uh, American and Great Britain in Biblical Prophecy. Right, so, right, yeah. And, yeah. and there, there are those that says he plagiarized uh, from several books. And, and he did, but, you know, knowledge, truth, you, you don't plagiarize from. You just right. quote it. <laughs> right. Sure, sure. Right. Well, uh, any quote that's longer than 50 pages is plagiarization. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, okay. One, right. Thing, one, yeah. thing, one thing that he didn't, in my opinion, did not have right, he, 
he thought that Great Britain was Ephraim and America was Manasseh. I just utterly disagree with that. I think it's yeah. the other way around, and America uh, I, is definitely Ephraim. I agree. Uh, but I don't uh, you know, argue with people about that because what it is, Ephraim and Manasseh are the westernmost tribes. They were the westernmost because they were born in Egypt. Okay, and yeah. uh, they're the ones that uh, the birthright tribe. Joseph was the birthright, and Ephraim was the larger. Okay, America is definitely larger than Britain, and uh, we have the yep. number thirteen <laughs> all over the place, right? right. So we're the birthright tribe. Yeah, melting pots, yeah, at right? And so, yeah, I agree. Uh, but uh, I, I simply boil it down to this: the English-speaking nations are Ephraim and Manasseh. You know, and because right. you know, there's a there's a bunch of Ephraim in America, a bunch of Ephraim in and I was gonna say Russia. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, other tribes in Russia, but uh, some Judah and some Benjamin in Russia. But uh, yeah, so Britain, uh, both both uh, the English speaking countries and nations, Commonwealth, including Canada, are Ephraim yeah. and Manasseh primarily. That's how I, I, I yeah. wound up putting it. Okay. All right. I agree. Okay. okay, very good. So, all right, so uh, you uh, found the Herbert W. Armstrong group, and I know they've had several uh, schisms. Is there any one, oh, of the, my, yes. <laughs> uh, any one of the offshoot groups still teaching the covenant message? They all teach a watered-down version of it, but here's, here's the problem with the, the break-off groups or the split-off groups from the Worldwide Church of God. They've stopped growing. They've stopped, uh, um, right. you know, digging a little deeper, finding the, the, the second, third, and fourth layers down from what Herbert Armstrong taught. HWA was simply a foundational teacher. He came, I think he was an apostle for the express purpose of laying a foundation for the, the actual house of truth to be, to be built upon. And uh, many of his, quote-unquote, followers, they're old now, uh, they've just stopped learning, and they're, they've become stagnant, in my opinion. Okay. All right, well, uh, that's true of virtually the entirety of Christianity today, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Talk about stagnation. And, uh, and we're, well, of course, we're in the Laodicean church, the church that made Yahshua vomit because they were so lukewarm. <laughs> I mean, but, Eli, let, let me okay. add something to that. Okay. There's no doubt we're, we're in the Laodicean era. However, if you compare the rewards of all seven of the church eras of, of Revelation 2 and, and Revelation 3, the ones that overcome, the ones that come out and overcome the Laodicean era receive the greatest of the seven rewards. That's right. And that is to sit to sit literally on the throne as God. Amen. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Well, yeah, uh, so, Israel means ruling with God, or you can say ruling as God. You know, our destiny is dominion, the dominion we lost in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, and uh, it's, we're due to recover it with the restoration of all things, according to the prophecies of Yahshua. You know, so we're looking forward right. to that. And this is not white supremacism, folks. This is the destiny of prophesied by Yahweh to his people. Is It's a responsibility. You don't get there automatically just because you're an Israelite. You know, what did uh, John, the, uh, John the Baptist say to the uh, 
Pharisees and Sadducees that came to be baptized. And he, he said, Who hath warned you of the wrath to come because you claim to be Israelites? Yahweh could make Israelites of these stones if he needed to. Stones, yep. <laughs> yeah, okay. And, right. and along those lines, along those lines, Eli, uh, anybody who's really wanting to study that subject out needs to read Jeremiah 8, 1 through 3. Because, I mean, he very plainly says of, of this evil portion of the house of Israel, he raises them up to be literally dung on the, on the, the ground. So, yeah. Jeremiah 8, 1 through 3. Yeah, well, dung is very fertile, <laughs> right? So yeah. every, everything's useful. Everything's useful in this world, okay? Yeah, okay, so Joey, uh, so uh, maybe, uh, you know, because uh, that's very interesting. Uh, it brings back memories for me because in the 80s, I, I read those books by Armstrong and I received their newsletter. In fact, the first printer, the first printer guy who published my book, The Great Impersonation, was an ex-member of the Worldwide Church of God, right? He was one of those people who got split off, okay? And he went on his own and became a printer in Michigan, and he was the guy that was my first printer. He was a really great guy. Oh, man, talk about He has a Civil War library that is second to none. You know, the, the, the University of North Carolina, <laughs> Chapel Hill, would would froth at the mouth to get a hand, their hands on those Civil War books that he has. Amazing stuff, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he was the printer for uh, Worldwide Church of God for many years, as he explained to me. Okay. So, uh, so right. yeah, so I, I have some connection with the Worldwide Church of God and reading his books, uh, you know, which are very enlightened, you know, you can probably read any book and disagree with this, disagree with that. But uh, for the most part, his books are really spot on, really spot on. Yeah, okay. All right. And so, uh, and then what, what about, uh, was there any, um, uh, what do you call it, identity training in your family before you ran into the Armstrong group? Well, I was born into the Worldwide Church of God. So, oh, oh you know, okay. I, I, my, my mother uh, was the one that attended services. My dad did not. And um, okay. so, as a matter of fact, uh, when my mom was baptized, I was in her womb. I find uh-huh. that kind of interesting. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, in the Worldwide Church of God, it, the, who Israel is uh, was a mainstay teaching. So when I became an adult, uh, I actually left the church for a period of time when I was 21 for about seven years, and I married out what we would call outside the church. I married a Methodist and and became uh, a youth leader in the Methodist church locally, and was asked to lead a Bible study. And so, studying for that Bible study, um, which was before the entire congregation, I had to deal with the subject of who Israel is. I had to deal with God's law, whether or not it was done away with and abolished. Oh wow! And it's it stirred up all of these teachings that I had from from my youth, and that really was the spark that drew me back toward covenant law as a as a young adult, uh, and I've been working on it ever since. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so in other words, the Methodists, they, they were antinomian, uh, they were probably universalists. Oh, yeah. oh, man. Okay, yeah. Well, let, let me say this, Eli. Okay. After that series of Bible studies, which lasted about 10 weeks, they had a special meeting and basically went to the pastor, and because the pastor enjoyed it. But the, the, 
the people that were attending the Bible study were the real mm-hmm. lever pullers in the church, and they voted that I was to be uh, not given any leadership role whatsoever. Uh-huh. And so a short time after that, I wrote a letter of uh, a resignation of the Methodist Church. And right. Left, so. Okay, that's very interesting because the word Laodicean derives from, uh, that's the word for, the Greek word for our English laity. Okay. Yep. And I think what we're talking about here is Israelites who uh, so much hate the responsibility of having to obey his laws <laughs> that, that they don't want to hear it. And that's what you that's were right. doing. That's, that's what exactly you were right. right. Yep. Okay. And this is the last church before the second coming, folks. Hooray! We don't have to wait much longer. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very interesting. Well, just briefly. I've told this story, man, I, I grew up Catholic, and uh, I was a very devout Catholic for a long time, but at the age of 17, I realized that the Catholic Church was teaching a lot of hypocrisy, and when they switched over from, you know, the Latin Mass to the, you know, whatever Mass it is today, they actually yeah. be, became communists. Uh, their Their philosophy is that rich people must share the wealth, but the Bible says, uh, every Israelite is to uh, be able to keep what he earns, okay? Right. Uh, if, if we want to tithe voluntarily, we can, but nobody has the right to take our earnings from us and give it to others. That is utterly unbiblical, and that is communism. The mainstream churches today have adopted the same philosophy, and they believe, yep. oh, those poor blacks, those poor Mexicans, uh, you know, they're underprivileged. Well, what, do they work? Do these liberals work? I don't think so, folks. All right. Okay. All right. Back to you, Joey. Here, and well, here. Let, let me just start reading here. Why the original Constitution of the United States cannot work today? Let it be known from the get-go, I am an avid constitutionalist. I see the original Constitution of the United States, notice the capitalization, the United States, as not only a biblical document, but the very infancy of the coming kingdom government of Yahweh. I have expressed the same thought many times here on the air. And uh, yeah, we uh, we are a prototype. We are a prototype. A kind of, you know, the prototype doesn't always live up to the billing, right? It started out good. The Almighty here on this earth, Revelation 5.10, the very kingdom Yeshua the Christ spoke about as he stated, believe the gospel or good news for the kingdom of Yahweh. Okay, so it's really obvious the prophecies in Daniel where it says uh, the kingdom that will be made without hands will break in yeah. pieces all the other kingdoms and will last forever. And um, so you think that America is the prototype for that kingdom? Well, I think that, oh, absolutely. But I'll take this statement that I made here in the opening paragraph a, a bit further the reason that Ephraim in Jeremiah 31 is called Yahweh's firstborn is because the the in embryo government that was established, as I say in the next paragraph, declared in 1776 and constituted in 1791, mm-hmm. that that government in in embryo or in its infancy literally is the very beginning, the very child of the kingdom of God. So the very uh, kingdom yep. of Yahweh. So the first, okay. the very first 
seed of Ephraim being the firstborn is manifested in the fulfillment of Genesis 48, where right. Ephraim was to become a multitude of nations, multitude being 50. Right. Now, uh, but for people who are wondering why is Ephraim the firstborn and not Reuben and not Judah and not any of the others, why was Joseph given the uh, the d- double blessing of the, uh, uh, the birthright tribe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, my answer to that would, would be simply that, well, uh, multi-faceted <laughs> answer. The, the first thing that comes to mind is, of course, Joseph was the beloved of Jacob. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is we have to always remember, and this becomes um, a bone of contention amongst identity sometimes, but we have to remember that Israel was to be a blessing to the entirety of the earth. Right. And that uh, that brings in all of the races. Now, we right. have to consider that, the, the races were to come and live under our laws. They were to observe our commandments and take on our ways. And then, as Isaiah 56 explains, they would be blessed. But, right. you know, uh, uh, Eli, it's, it's important to consider that, like, like you said, Ephraim and Manasseh were born in Egypt. They were born to, um, I mean, my studies show that they were born to uh, the grandson of the, the rape of Dinah not grandson, but the granddaughter of the rape of Dinah. So that was a Hivite that raped her. And so Joseph uh, married into a half tribe, if you will, or a partial tribe of Jacob through Dinah, but it still had the male seed that ran through what we would call a Gentile or a a, a non-Semite tribe. And so... That okay. aspect of Ephraim comes true. Okay. Well, uh, I've never heard that before. Azanoth, as I recall, I don't know if her name is in Scripture, but it's in the no. Apocrypha. Azanoth yep. was Joseph's wife. Uh, my understanding is yep. that she was uh, quite possibly a Hamite, which would make her pure white. Okay. So uh, that... No, I agree she was white. Uh-huh. But she would have... She would not have been Semite. She would have been, as you say, Hamite, okay. which brings into the, the, the we'll say, the, the non-purity of the house of Israel. And yeah. so that, that's an aspect where the, the Almighty is literally blessing other nations through Ephraim, the progenitor, literally, of the coming kingdom of Yahweh. You know, it, it's right. under his guise, his blessing. Okay, and certainly all of the 12 sons of Jacob had to find their wives elsewhere, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, most, yeah. Most of, mostly from what, what was called Syria today, the uh, Aramaeans, who were the kins, kinsmen of the, the Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah. So, and may have been actually Hebrews, too. Uh, I'd have to look up the, uh, yeah, well, they, the, the line of descent. They would, they would. Mm-hmm. It would be for Aram, yeah. Right, Aram. And, yeah, they're, they're also talked about as Syrians. They're definitely kinsmen of the 12 tribes of Israel. Absolutely no doubt. And, of course, Abraham uh, was uh, told his servant, find a woman of our kin, of our bloodline right. for Isaac, and that's what they did, okay? So, anyway, okay, so very good. Uh, so now you're bringing it up to date really quickly, you know, because this is about the Constitution. 
There are two headings you will need to know before anyone can fully come to understand the subject title. They, and let me repeat the title again, the, Why the Original Constitution of the United States Cannot Work Today, The Law of the Land and the Law of the Sea. So allow me to quickly give some bullet points of each of these two forms of governance. I hate that word. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a new world, world order. Government is the uh, term the Bible uses. You know, the government shall that's rest right. upon his shoulders. And so they have created very this. Good. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. I'll make that change. <laughs> All right, very good. I mean, that one sticks in my craw because it's a Rothschild term, right? Uh Two forms of governance from two basic viewpoints. First, from a biblical perspective. Then I'll do the same from a modern-day governmental perspective. Okay, and so you go down the list here. And uh, but for, for, why don't you really quickly, uh, for in general terms, give us a uh, an outline of what the law of the land, based on the Bible, is, and the law of the sea. Where does that come from? Okay, the biblical. Uh law of the land is covenant law. Now, a lot of people don't realize that written on the two tablets of stone was the entirety of the covenant. That's Exodus 20, 21, 22, and 23. Most people believe that it was just the Ten Commandments that was written on on the tablets of stone, but that's just absolutely incorrect. Uh, Exodus 32, 15, and 16 will tell you that those tablets were written on both sides and on front and back. That's four sides in total, okay. and they are they're called in Deuteronomy 9 the tablets of the covenant or the tablets of the testimony. Okay. So those those words, Eli, were written in what is called the Book of the Covenant in Exodus 24, verse 7. That's where it's first mentioned. And again, the, the words that are written in that book, which exists somewhere on this planet, in my opinion, sure. uh, are the four chapters of Exodus 20 through 23. Well, 40 years later, Moses wrote a second edition to that book, or a second edition, you know, a second uh-huh. volume to it, in the same book, Deuteronomy 4 through 31. Those 27 chapters are added to the four chapters before. And then when Joshua died, the last two chapters of Joshua were added to the book. So it's a total of 31 chapters <clears throat> that are written in a probably a leather-bound book that is somewhere on this earth with the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, all right, um, very good. And the summary of of the Book of the Covenant is, uh, you know, basically how to properly worship Yahweh and how to live justly, justly with your fellow man in liberty, free, completely and totally of bondage. So, mm-hmm. if, it, it is what Christians would call today love towards God, love towards neighbor. You know, okay, or live and it, let live. It's lit, lit, well, yeah, yeah. that's, that's close, a close, Christian uh, view. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a, there's a, a sodomites living next door, sorry. <laughs> all yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, right. Okay, so, uh, all right, so, and, go ahead. Well, I wanted to add that there's, there's besides the observance of Passover, within the pages of these 31 chapters, that are in the Book of the Covenant, there is simply zero ceremonial or sacrificial law. So what we would call Levitical priesthood is not in mm-hmm. the Book of the Covenant. It is an internal codification of law applicable right. for all men, actually okay. written on the very DNA of men. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's our DNA of the, of the... Well, first of all, when Yahweh breathed the breath of life into Adam... 
Yahweh personally yep. did that. And so he he breathed something into his DNA and into his spirit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. As far as I'm yep. concerned, we haven't lost that DNA even after the fall, but we did lose the Holy Spirit, the Shekinah glory. Uh, your comment right. on that? Yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, well, you, my comment is that has to be re-added at baptism and the laying on of hands. That's, okay. that's my thought on All that. Right. Yeah. But it it is it is an, as the scripture says an earnest or a down payment toward the fullness of the spirit that we will receive when when we are changed. Right. Okay. And then just what my comment here on this uh, covenant law. The first four commandments have to deal with uh, our relationship with the Creator, with the Father, Yahweh, and that's positive law, okay? You you should uh, observe the Sabbath, uh, you you should honor your father and mother, etc., etc. And then the rest of it is negative law, thou shalt not kill, thou thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. And uh, uh, what do you see as the reason for that uh, difference in language, positive law versus negative law? That's an interesting take on it. Um, My my first thought that comes to mind, Eli, is that because uh, man is flawed, that is to say that you're going to have instances where you're tempted to do such as that because man is flawed, then that's the reason for the negativity, and Yahweh is not flawed. Therefore, everything is positive in worship toward him. So you, you, you can look at it both ways, but... Uh, like, for instance, the first one is, is uh, you shall not have any gods before me or Elohim before me. So you could almost say that's negative, but that's a positive statement, actually, because yeah. uh, the, the Almighty is the supreme being. Right. Well, this is what you should do. Okay, this is what you should do. Right. And right. What, what you just stated, though, reflects, in terms of negative law, reflects the words of James Madison and many of the founders who understood that, yeah, we... We Adamites and all human beings, for that matter, uh, are flawed individuals, and we 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 can't tell other people what to do. What we we can do right. is recognize when they're committing violations against my person or your person, and then if there needs to be a punishment for, for that, then there needs to be a, a punishment inflicted on those people. Right? Isn't that how how law is supposed to work? Very good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, our founding fathers understood. Our founding fathers understood Yahweh's law so much better than even anyone who has learned and studies the Scripture understands it. You know, they, they right. were raised in a purity that we could never understand today. It's just yeah. it, it, the the society has drowned us. You know, from from that kind of pure upbringing it's terrible absolutely absolutely and so no so what we see liberalism and progressivism is what i call positive law that you will <laughs> use the the new pronouns <laughs> right, that, that right, they right. Invent, right in other words it's force yeah. positive law is yeah, force yeah. Well, okay. we're going to get into that because okay. that's the next perspective. This is um, okay. this next section deals with a biblical perspective of the of the perspective of the law of the sea. Okay. And All right. Well, there's, is, a, there's one more bullet point I think that uh, we haven't talked about: an eternal codification of law ap- applicable for all mankind. And in, in the sense, I would say that we Israel, the covenant people, 
are supposed to take dominion of this planet via Yahweh's law and not through, you know, our imaginary law, <laughs> right? Actually yeah. written on the very DNA, oh, I see, you did say that, on the very DNA of the Adamite. Okay, so now the biblical perspective of the law of the sea, which I think is what you're, you're getting at here. This is what how we're being ruled today. Back to you. That's absolutely correct. So regulatory code law would be the heading of the law of the sea, in biblical times, it was something that was established that many Messianic believers and certainly Jewish believers, are, or I'm not sure that's a, even a correct terminology. Yeah. If you're a believer, you yeah, <laughs> anyway, there's a, yeah there are right. no Jewish believers, <laughs> right. right? Okay, okay, all um, right. But Levitical priesthood law via the sacrificial or ceremonial practices was a punishment for sin. It is not something that aids in proper worship toward the Almighty under freedom and liberty. And so it it is regulatory, just like you were saying a second ago, you will do this and you will do it this way. There is no freedom involved in Levitical priesthood biblical law. Um, That Mm -hmm. law is codified or written in Exodus 25 through 31, and Exodus it's repeated in Exodus 35 through 40. Okay. Um, it is thir- 13 chapters totally void of any freedom or liberty. It is a law of bondage. Yeah. Okay, Paul so, writes it like this. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Finish in, the bullet points. I'll, I'll save my comment here. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Galatians 3, um, 19 makes it very clear when he asked, when Paul asked the question, why, uh, why the law? Now, you have to ask yourself, is he talking about, covenant law? Is he talking about Levitical priesthood law, or is he talking about the sum total of the law? Well, we know because of his answer, because he answers his rhetorical question in the same verse, it is a punishment because of sin. It was instituted because of the sin of the golden calf at the mountain, because that's where Israel broke the covenant. And so it was temporary until, if you read down in the chapter to verse 25, until Christ would come. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it acts as a tutor. It's an right. instruction on on how to worship Yahweh. But it's get this, Eli. This is a, an important point. It is a instruction on how to worship Yahweh in punishment, free from idolatry by the use of idolatry. Okay, see, right. The, the the golden calf was an event where Israel idolatrized themselves. Mm-hmm. And what did Yahweh do? He gave them a law that was loaded with idolatry. Yeah, he fed right. them till it was the meat was in their teeth. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Coming out their ears. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a temporary yeah. codification of law. Right. Yeah, okay, because, well, in a sense, uh, most people have to learn righteousness the hard way, okay? That's right. Right? Don't, don't eat pork. <laughs> Right. Yeah. If you eat pork, worms will crawl out of your skin. Really? No, nah, right. that can't be right. So they eat pork and they find out, oh, man, I got trichinosis and, and uh, who knows what other kind of disease. Yeah. Right. OK. Well, well you know, just just to, uh, to take off on that for just a second, when my mother was dying of stomach cancer and she uh, grew up on uh, on hog pork. Right. Um when she was dying of stomach cancer, two days before she died, a lady came in and asked her a bunch of questions because she was terminal. 
And I stopped her in the hallway because I was aggravated at that, and I kind of quizzed her as to why she was asking these questions. And she said, well, I'm from such and such department of the government, and uh, we want to know what uh, term terminal stomach cancer patients ate all of their life. And she, and she basically said the leading cause of stomach and colon cancer is the consumption of pork and shellfish. Wow. And it had absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was never even brought up. Uh huh. All right. Okay. Well, that's every whenever there's a commandment from Yahweh, there's always a good scientific background to it, including why we shouldn't wear wool and uh, and uh, cashmere. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And this, uh, yeah, because there's an electrical potential between yeah. different. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's cotton or linen. Yeah, so uh, yeah. there's a different in electrical potential, which ca can cause irritation that we may not be able to feel, but it will irritate your cells, and so that's why right. that commandment's in there. Yep. Okay, the vibrations are different. Right. Vib okay. Exactly. Exactly. Now let me jump down to verse 13 in Galatians here, because this is a real contentious verse. And the antinomians jump all over this verse and say, See, the law itself is a curse. Let me read the whole verse here. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. That is, he, Yahshua, was made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So, it's not that the law is a curse. Uh, the, 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 the ten, certainly not the Ten Commandments are a curse. But I think what right. you're getting at is that these Levitical laws uh, are a, a disciplinary set of laws that were intended to uh, you know, shape us into something better than we were at Mount Sinai. And it took the Levitical priesthood to, to shape us into that, to get us ready for the redemption and for the, the new breath of life breathed into us at Calvary. Uh, would that be a good characterization of Galatians thirteen, three thirteen? It def it definitely is. And the the key, you know, uh, Paul also writes that you have to rightly divide the word of truth. And understanding when you're reading what we would call Torah, the five first yes. five books of the Bible, which is the Torah is really just instruction all through the Scripture. But anyway, uh, in reading those five sections of, of, uh, of the Bible, you have to be able to determine, is this command covenant law or is this command Levitical priesthood law? Right. And if you're able to do that, if you're able to, to choose covenant law is the law that Christ came to teach and Levitical priesthood law was a punishment, we don't need to do that mm -hmm. at this particular time then it becomes clear as to what Yahweh expects from believers. Right. Okay, so a quick question. And Many of the statutes and judgments uh, derive from the Ten Commandments and are kind of, kind of case law. Uh, that's not part of the ritual law, is it? It's just kind of like... No, that's covenant law. That's covenant law, okay. You, right. After Yahweh gave the Ten Commandments, uh, to Moses, he thundered it, and the children of Israel stopped him and said, "We don't want to hear any more of that." What continued from that that was that Moses heard was the judgment. That's what you're calling case law, and that goes hand in hand with the Ten Commandments. They are they are the same covenant law, and so what's yeah. Okay, I, I say it like this: 
you've got to be able to determine commandments, judgments, ordinances, and statutes. Those are the four sections of law. And, and one day, Eli, I'd like to maybe come on and do a, a, a program on that, breaking down the difference between a statute and an ordinance or between okay. an ordinance and a judgment. Right. That is a fascinating study. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I've just kind of looked at it as case law uh, that follow on the heels of the Ten Commandments, etc. Okay. But uh, then the uh, sacrificial law, which was, uh, Paul uh, clearly says that that was given to Israel, imposed upon Israel for their sinfulness, and uh, yep. okay, and that, but that was only temporary. Okay, so that right. what was done away with at the cross, uh, Colossians two fourteen, could not have been the Ten Commandments and the uh, you know, right. covenant law. It had to have been. Uh, well, the word there is chirographon. If Paul had meant the Ten Commandments or the uh, covenant law, he would have said nomos. That's right. right? Right. Okay. It doesn't say nomos. It says chirographon, which simply means a writing or a list of sins, the, the, the sins of Israel that were forgiven at Calvary. Had, it did, right. not, it that did not take away the law at all. Back to you. That, that's absolutely right. That's a very good description, Eli. What was abolished is the writing of Exodus 25 through 31, and uh-huh. repeated again, Exodus 35 through 40, that is the Levitical priesthood law, which is basically how to worship Yahweh using idolatry. Okay, that, all right. That's what, that's what it is. Yeah, that's you excellent. Know, it is idolatry. That's excellent. I've never seen it broken down that way, but that is that is excellent. And uh, I agree that you, when, when Paul is talking about the law in any particular epistle, you have to ask, well, what specific law is is he talking about? Because they, you know the antinomians assume, well, he's talking about all the law that ever existed for Israel. No, no. Sometimes he's talking about the sacrificial law. Sometimes he's talking about uh, the covenant law. Sometimes he's talking about a more specific law. You have to pay attention to the context. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's just like any lawyer. <laughs> What's the context? You know, and if you got the context wrong, you can't understand his epistles. Okay, so that that's an excellent breakdown, and uh, you know, I I, I think I, I can probably share this when I uh, produce this for uh, going online. If you don't mind, I will share this article as part of our, you know, in the description of this program, you know, that I put up on yeah, sure. your folk radio. Okay, all right, so very good. So, please continue. Okay. For uh, how we got this, uh, well, what do we call uh, the regulatory code law? Uh, Please continue there. All right. So what I did prior to this was break down the two perspectives of law of the land and law of the sea from a biblical perspective. And now I list these two sets of laws, law of the land and law of the sea, from a governmental perspective today, or what we would call it. Yeah. from our American law. Okay, so uh, here, uh, one... uh, sorry to interrupt again, but you're, you're inspiring me. <laughs> so the, okay, the, 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 the tutor is, you know, when we're immature and we're like children and we have to get spanked every now and then, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're yep. okay. And I remember when I was a kid, my, my first uh, crush, Linda, okay, 
and uh, we were playing together every day and we we liked each other and then uh, one day we were running around the uh wood stove in the back of the house and uh you know i told her be careful don't touch the stove you know because you get burnt and so she touched the stove burnt her finger and blamed me like it was my fault she ran out <laughs> <laughs> right and boy my first love gone oh, okay back to you <laughs> I'll never forget that. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, it's true. It's a very good analogy. Yeah, um, right. Okay. The law of the land today, uh, or at least in our founding, would be considered common law. Okay? Okay. Uh, it hails from, from literally the biblical covenant law. Now, uh, David Barton, who, you know, is, is definitely a uh, law is done away with Christian, but basically he is in my opinion, the foremost authority in the Founding Fathers in their writings. And he has made the case many, many times that the Founding Fathers, many of which you might know, and and some of those that are quoted you may not know, they quoted from the book of Deuteronomy, which is basically a a full covenant law book, more than all of the other writings combined. Okay. And so uh, what we have in our common law ancestry of of the constitution right. is a biblical covenant law uh, it is based upon freedom to choose right from wrong which means that every man before he can really learn has to make the mistakes like your girlfriend there that touched yeah the stone, right so yeah sure she, she didn't do it again right no she didn't <laughs> but, it, but what you were trying to do eli is you warned her but you tried to regulate her from touching the stove. <laughs> right, yeah. It's my fault for chasing her around the stove, right? Right, right. Okay. Um, yep. Common law allows free men to learn from their mistakes. And right. that's an important aspect of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, only renders recon- recompense when damage is actually done. This gets back to the case law of Exodus 21, 22, right. and 23 that you were referring to called the judgment. In other words, if there's no foul, there's or no harm, there's no foul. Right. Um, even though there might have been intent, even though there might have been intent, oh, yeah. but the intent failed, there was no harm done. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm remi- I'm reminded all the time of the, the Gunsmoke series where, you know, a man could beat a man half to death. If he died, Matt Dillon would make the case, you know, you better hope he doesn't die or I'm yeah. going to put you under the jail. But if he was okay and lived, you know, that's okay. You can beat a man half to death. There's no no harm done. Right. Um, Common law trusts completely in a higher power of whom all people agree. Now, this gets into the question as to whether or not, you know, Allah can be that higher power. The founding fathers didn't see it that way. No. They saw the higher power as our creator that is of the Christian Bible that they would call God or they might know the the name. But we all all might have disagreed on various points of the law, how to carry out our worship, but we all agreed in that one true higher power, our king. Right. Well, they referred to it as providence in those days, but it was definitely the creator of Scripture and uh, where the uh, dates are given for the Constitution in the year of our Lord, 
July 4th, or the Constitution, but even for the Declaration of Independence, I think it has the same language. In the year of our Lord, July 4th, 17th, they were talking about Jesus Christ. They weren't talking about Krishna. That's right. Or Allah, or Buddha. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Okay, very good. And, of course, common law or covenant law, as it really should be termed, placed back in the biblical vernacular, will be the law that is established in the coming government or kingdom of Yahweh. Amen. Amen. So that's, that is a, uh, a governmental modern perspective of the law of the land. Now I want to give you a, a governmental perspective of the law of the sea. Oh, boy. It oh, is, yeah. Confusion. This is where it hits the fan. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Regulatory code law, known as admiralty law. That's a key, a key word we're going to come back to, and I'm going to explain in just a minute. Mm-hmm. It hails directly from the principle given in Scripture called Levitical priesthood law. Oh, really? Which is a punishment for sin, yes. Uh-huh. It absolutely does. Okay. Now, I, I, this, this gets into the, the fact, and when you run, run it down, you will find that the Jews instituted the United States, of, not of America, just the all-caps United States entity that is based upon admiralty law. And as you know, Eli, the Jews worshipped Levitical priesthood law. They thought it was the greatest thing since post-Hosties. Right. They, and well, they, they still work it into their theology. Well, they, they replaced the Levites, <laughs> right, and became the right. Pharisees, right. the Sanhedrin. Yeah, absolutely. So they loved Levitical priesthood law, and when you when you come to understand what happened after the Civil War, and actually before the Civil War, that the Jews' hands was all in yep. the planning, the carrying out, and then finally the, the cleanup afterwards, which, you know, yeah, reconstruction. basically gave them... That's yes. right. They, it gave them the nation for pennies on the dollar, and yeah. sometimes even less than that. Yeah. Um, you, you can begin to put the pieces together and see the tie between biblical Jewish Levitical priesthood law yeah. and post-Levitical, that what we call right. today admiralty law. Yeah, I would call it post-Levitical because they're not Levites. They're, if anything, they're pretend Levites, right? But yeah, the yeah ab- they stole the priesthood. That's right, they stole it. Yeah, the, but the absolute proof of what you're saying is: look at Judaism today; it's all ritual. Yep, totally Absolutely. ritual. That's all it is. It's ritual. Okay, and much uh, of Messianic Christianity has become that as well. Oh yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, it's funny too because oh, Messianic Christianity. Yeah, I, I don't know much about them. But uh, it's funny to me that the antinomian churches of, of Pentecostals and Methodists being one, you know, I, I, confront, I was confronted by one of these uh, characters not too long ago. I said, well, you know, do you believe that uh, you know, the, uh, the, the feast days have been abolished? I said, no. And so, and so I asked him, do you believe the, the uh, Sabbath has been abolished? And they say, no. Well, then why? You know, why do you pick one over the other? <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah. You want all your flock to go to church on Sunday. Okay. That's you know. Yep. That's what you tell them. They have, but go ahead. Yeah. They have no argument once you get you start down that road so far that their argument dries up like. Yeah, it dries know, up. Sahara Desert. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, admiralty law is based upon bondage of a people who have proven to be ungovernable. Oh so that's, boy. That's key. Mm. ungovernable people uh, have to have Babylon to control them. Right. And that's what admiralty law is. 
Okay, so you're saying um, the, 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 the Levitical priesthood was a form of Babylonian, you know, punishment slash control that our people had no, to go through to grow up. Okay. All right. That's exactly very, right. Very that's good. Exactly right. Okay. It removes true freedom and li- liberty, stunting, that's a key word, stunting the growth or the character, the growth mm, of character. Right. It renders recompense before damage is done via fines and imp- imprisonments. Now, the, the classic example of that one, uh, Eli, is um, is the speeding ticket, right? Yeah. And I'm going to talk a little bit later on about who Dan is a typology of in Scripture. Okay. Uh, Dan, of course, was the judge in the House of Israel, and today we have the judges in America that are the the enforcers, if you will, right. of, this Levit- of this punishment of the Levitical priesthood law. Yeah. Genesis 49 uh, talks about what Dan would become, and it basically says that he is a viper or a snake waiting in the way or mm-hmm. standing in the way or waiting right. in the weeds to cause the horse riders to, to fall backwards. That's a classic state trooper sitting in the weeds <laughs> to get you at you know, right. 75 right. miles an hour in a 60-mile-an-hour yeah. zone in, in yeah. imposing a fine for something in which nobody was uh, – Harm. There was yes. no. Yeah, no fall. No, no harm, victim. no fall. Right. Right. Yeah, but it generates so, income for the uh, false state. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and admiralty law trusts completely in the higher power of man, uh, void of the most high. Money. Yeah. So, <laughs> Mammon. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And finally, the last bullet—the last bullet point—is uh, it is the law of Babylon. It is creating confusion within the land, a mixing of law, and that well, is an apt description right. of Levitical priesthood law as well. Yeah, and it's always arbitrary too, because if you're leaving it to human beings, even Israelites who are devoid of the the conscience that uh, we were supposed to get at uh, Pentecost in 33 A.D. They, they are arbitrary judges making up rules and regulations every day and then trying to lord it over us because they think they're better of than we are because they occupy that position. You know, the Jews occupy the counting houses, but a lot of Israelites occupy the bureaucratic pencil-pushing offices, and they don't hesitate to enforce their interpretation of law upon us. That's right. Hmm. You know... It, Anytime there is a, a constitutional issue at hand, it, it would go to your, your local or county courts, your superior courts, and you might even press it to go as far as the state uh, okay. Supreme Court. But it's not until you get to the Supreme Court of the United States of America in which the Constitution is actually considered in that judgment. So the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, but within the states and the, certainly the county governments, that's where you're talking about, Eli, that you're going to run into the, um, the admiralty law, okay. code law of Babylon, and it, that, that's the problem. You know, you've got to, be, you've got to have right. money to take it that far, and right. most people do not. So okay. if you want to fight a, a speeding ticket, you're, you're just screwed unless you right. take it to the Supreme Court. Right, right, yeah, and uh, because they don't go by common law, they go by the the law of uh, income for for the local government. How did that come about? How did that come about? Well, it's very, 
Oh, good. That's very simple. Um, if if you know anything, and I'm not sure I wrote it in this article, maybe I did. I did. Uh, we'll okay. get into that. But okay. Where the bar, the bar association basically was established after uh-huh. the Civil War, and it's the American okay. Bar Association that brought in admiralty law and and which is code law and laid the foundation for Christian yeah, politicians. Yeah, yeah. To do what they have done. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, just jumping ahead, we'll get to that in more detail a bit later. What year was that? That that that. Uh, oh, shit. When? Uh, eight, 1871. 1871. Okay, because most people, uh, you know, think it was the Fourteenth Amendment, but the Fourteenth Amendment, yeah, it, it did make these. It did. How should I put it? It enabled all it of these. Made changes. all men slaves. Right. Okay. So, yeah, we'll get. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. It made all men slaves, and it opened the door for. Uh, again, we're going to get into this in this article, but it, okay. it opened the door for the Edomites to come in step by step using their their four forms of takeover. And again, okay. we'll get into that hopefully. Okay. All right. Well, long. please continue then. Uh, so the last p- bullet point was the law of Babylon creating confusion within the land. The mixing of the law back to you. Well, I, there's many ways that I could go into explaining how these, uh, how the rubber meets the road for us today. But I use the analogy of the two flags that were presented in the uh, Republican National Convention with Trump standing on the stage, and the Repub- the Democratic National Convention with uh, you know Joe Hyden and this this putrid yeah. of a whore yeah. that is running his running mate. <laughs> right. Um, oh my God. They're, yeah. they're standing on stage with, with flags that have a gold fringe. Whereas Trump is standing on stage. You'll see this in my article. Right. Uh, with a picture of flags that have no gold fringe. Now that's not by accident. Okay. Um, Trump for all of his quote unquote faults and evils that the left like to point out, um, he, ha- in my opinion, has a full understanding of the difference of what I'm talking about here. He has studied it. He knows it. And if he is outside of the D.C.-controlled environment, which he has no choice right. to to fall under, for instance, today or yesterday, I can't remember which one, he was in Virginia uh, in a rally, and he had gold fringes on his flag Well, uh, mm-hmm. that was on stage. That's not under his control. He is right. under the control of the, the Democratic governor there of Virginia. Right. But right, every yeah. time that, that the RNC or Trump himself are in control, when he's got a rally, you'll notice the flags do not have the gold fringe. The fringe is a sign of admiralty law. Okay. It shows that we fall under the Babylonian control of the Edomite control of, of admiralty law. And Trump is sent here, I am convinced of it, by the Almighty to begin to chip this this government down, just right. one piece at a time. He is literally making America covenant again. That's the key word. And if, there's a synonym, a, a synonym. There's a synonym for covenant that you would recognize instantly, and it's the word deal. And okay. Interesting. Donald Donald okay. Donald Trump is the ultimate deal maker. It's what he brags about most. Now, a lot of times, making a deal is reciprocal. 
and it's difficult to do. But the point is that he, through his covenanting, his deal-making, he is literally tearing down the Admiralty Law, all caps, United States, and that's what I love about it. Right, and uh, of course, it's Rothschild Admiralty Law, international law, of which the, yep. the, the UN is a big part of it, and the World Bank, and uh, uh, the Mystery Empire, the Empire of Merchants, Mystery Babylon, which is what we're dealing with in these end times. Back to you. That's right. Mm-hmm. So in my article, I, I kind of go through some some um, uh, examples from Wikipedia, which I don't like using, but I do anyway because sometimes it's the best, uh, yeah, quickest, yeah, the yeah. best definition. Right. But with Admiralty Law, Eli, the the key is is seeing and recognizing the capitalization of adhesion contracts. Now, if you're not familiar with what an adhesion contract is, it is it is literally everything that bondages you to this system, okay. and it starts on the day that you were born. Ooh. Uh, on on the day that you were born, your mother, uh, excuse me. She's not the first witness. You're the first witness with your footprint. You sign a contract, which is your birth certificate, with your footprints in ink. And then your mother comes right behind you and is the second witness basically signing you away, creating a bond in which the the government can literally, from that point on, loan money or create wealth from your existence. That's slavery. Sure. And that's called an adhesion contract. Okay, Your now... driver's license. Right, right. Well, now, how does that work? Because, you know, obviously, first of all, it's fraud because a little baby, it's being, literally, it's being is being used for, uh, what, uh, collateral? For a loan? No. Uh, the income you make uh, in, your, in the future? Is that is that what this is based on? Adhesion contract? The re- Yes, it is. It, it boils down to fractional banking. Now, what okay. fractional banking is, is, is where you, um, let's say that you put $1,000 in the bank. The government, because of your existence, because of that adhesion contract that you have made multiple times in your lifetime, they have, in their eyes, the right to, to loan 90% of that $1,000 to someone else. So, that $1,000 has now become $1,900. Right. And then that ni- that $900 can then become $800 more, you understand. Right. So it is a way of printing money, and it's, it's based upon the life that is born, the life that is signed away. And in case you didn't know, that boils down to a bond. That is okay. exactly what they have done with each. Right. With each... Uh, birth certificate they have created a bond of wealth okay so they they lend well the only way i can see this how they obviously they really don't need this adhesion contract to do that to to make funny money oh yeah so so but so why so but why do they do it this way you know what just to uh to have a lean on your person your being is that is that what this is? It is for the sole purpose of removing your inalienable rights. Okay, that's, well, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for the sure. The two go hand in hand. Okay. Because you have bought, you have literally bought your bondage. Or bought into it. Every time you take a... <laughs> right? You know, every, 
every time you take out a loan, every time you agree to drive on the roads that they own, mm -hmm. you have signed your life away one piece at a time. Oh, for sure. And so yeah. they, they lawfully have the right. When you walk into a courtroom on a traffic violation, you are walking into the captain's chambers mm -hmm. of admiralty law. And right. you, the, very first, the very first thing that you're asked is, do you understand? Like, for instance, if they read you your Miranda rights, what are they, what's the last thing that they ask you? Do you understand? Well, when, the, when you say, yes, I understand, that means, yes, I stand under your authority. <laughs> and so you have, you have just spoken your sneaky. rights away, if you even have any rights to begin with. Sneaky, very sneaky, <laughs> right? Yeah, very the legal, so. the, the words in the legalese have totally different meanings from the popular usage. And this is, uh, this is how they fool us. This is how they trick us. Okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to read. I want to read you the definition of admiralty from this is Merriam-Webster's uh, dictionary, um, and it says the executive department of an or an officer formally having general authority over British naval affairs, the court um, having general authority over the British naval affairs. So it is the capitalization of one's name that causes that person to be created a straw man. And what a straw man is, is that it, it's literally uh, uh, an yeah. entity that doesn't exist, that speaks on your behalf, because to them you are dead. Right, okay. And so You're definitely powerless um, under the system. <laughs> you might as well be dead, yeah. Oh, oh that's exactly right. Uh -huh. uh, so yeah. this... This fact remains. Our system of lawyers today in America operate under the Bar Association. Okay. Now, Eli, you probably know. What does Bar stand for? Yeah, uh, British something. Uh, okay, well, I see it right here. British Accredit Accreditation Registry. Okay. Re registry, that's right. British lawyers. So, lawyers of Britain, essentially, right? Right. What you okay. will not find in our history books today, or really any book, you've got to really search to find this information is the fact that between 1776, when this nation was declared, and certainly after 1791, when this nation was constituted, you will not find any vestige of, at all of the Bar Association, or the, certainly the ABR, the American mm -hmm. Bar Association, in our government. It did not exist. Lawyers, right. for that matter, period, were really not around. They did not exist. Okay. It wasn't until after the Civil War that the United States of America went bankrupt and a brand new entity called the United States, all caps, no America whatsoever. Okay. Just the all caps United States was instituted, a brand new corporation. It is only then that you find the American Bar Institution being brought back into our society and the English did what the Revolutionary War could not do. It gave the colonies back to England. Uh, and that's where we're at today. Right. We are right. under the crown. Amen. Amen. Yeah, well, didn't Lincoln warn uh, that uh, I ha he had a vision? I see that corporations will be enthroned and they will work on the prejudices of, of the people until we are all slaves. Okay. <laughs> and what are we today? We yeah, right, right. 
And then uh, Goethe said, no one is more surely enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. Right? We falsely right. believe we are free. Right. Wow. The, four, the 14th Amendment did not free the African slaves. The 14th Amendment brought all men down to the level of slave. Okay. And there's no doubt about it. It's not debatable. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, see, if uh, I don't think you have the 14th Amendment as part of this document. If we have time, maybe we can go into that, into that language and see how that works. Because I have read it many times, and it is very tricky. I mean, whoever wrote the 14th Amendment had to work on it for years to get all the tricky language right. Okay? But that's right. a subject in itself. Right. Okay? All right, so back to you. Okay. I go through in the article describing briefly what the crown is. And okay. the crown is not what... It, it imposes or what it seems. Uh, this is a subject that I would like to talk about at maybe a later date in more depth, but basically okay. the crown is Judaism. It is oh. the Edomite Jews that the London bankers, it has absolutely nothing to do with Queen Elizabeth or her family, not the first thing. The quote-unquote crown is the enemy behind the action right. of the takeover of the United States. The Rothschilds. It is the, the Rothschilds. George Soros is involved in yeah. the families that met at uh, at Jekyll Island All right. Uh, right. You know, in the early 20th century that established the uh, the Federal Reserve. It, it, the, that's yeah. the families that is the crown that we're speaking of. Yeah, it's they, even well, deeper than that. Yeah, well, they're de definitely the power behind the throne. You can certainly say that. Queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth, when she enters the city... Within the city of yep. London, she has to knock and be allowed and ask permission to come in. Hmm. Wow, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> right? So that shows you who's boss, <laughs> right? She doesn't yeah. dare send the British military in there. She could. I wish she would. <laughs> but she never done anything like that. Back to you. So let's talk a little bit about Thomas Jefferson and some of the thoughts that he had long after the Constitution was penned and signed uh, into the, the beginning of the 19th century, right before he became president of the United okay. States. Right. Um, this is a, a I mean, I, I've linked this, but I should have quoted it literally verbatim in the article. Uh, some of his quotes are just spot on. He right. was like a prophet predicting what would happen if if we allowed the bankers to come in and take our mm -hmm. nation. Right. Um, let me just read a, a couple of these, if you don't sure. care. No, go ahead. He says, our Constitution, intending to establish three departments, coordinate and independent, that they might check and balance one another, it has given according to uh, this opinion, one of them alone, the right to prescribe, and he, when he says one of them, he's talking about the judicial branch. All of these quotes are right. are strikes against the judicial branch of our government. Uh -huh. It says it has given one of them alone the right to prescribe rules for the government of others, and to that one, two, T-O-O-O, which is unelected and independent of this nation. Now, this hits home because of where we're at in our nation today. That's right. As Trump is trying to find the, the replacement for that witch right. that has killed, <laughs> you know, millions yeah. of babies. 
it, but, it goes on to say the Constitution. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. By the way, there's a joke going around that Ruth Bader Ginsburg will be voting from the grave. On yes. <laughs> Several times. Yeah, right. <laughs> right from the, from the graveyard. As Chicago is very famous for that. Democratic yeah, yeah. <laughs> cadavers voting several he, times in the election. Yep. He goes on to say the Constitution on this hypothesis is a mere thing of wax in the hands of the judiciary, and we see that with many of the judgments in this 20th, right. 20th uh, century. Okay. Uh, in the hands of the judiciary, which they may twist and shape into any form that they please. Yeah, that is. That, just yeah. one of the quotes yeah. that Jefferson made. That is spot on. But now, what basis is he? What's he basing that on? What language in the Constitution? Because the judiciary is given very uh, strict limitations of what kind of cases it can hear. So uh, I, I guess what's being said here is that the, the language is too vague and allows these judges to infringe on the executive, on the, on the states, on the legislature, etc. Well, keep in mind, Jefferson is stating these, making these quotations at a time when the, the entity that is the all-caps United States, the Babylonian right. government that is the United States, is coming to fruition. So okay. he sees how that they, are being, that they are twisting the law, even at that early date. Right, and so he is prophesying okay. what he sees coming to pass. Well, that, that's interesting because I, I see that the Supreme Court justices and most of the justices in those days were pretty much loyal Americans. Uh, so, uh, you know, and ruling, you know, most of it is really good, good decisions in those early days. But uh, but you know, they might have had Jewish clerks, <laughs> right? Who, who knows what was going on behind the scenes? And you think Thomas Jefferson, well, uh, uh, does his dispute with Alexander Hamilton have anything to do with this? Because. Oh, I would say it. I would say it most likely does. There's no yeah. doubt about that. He's, okay. Um, you know, that's, that's well documented. Yeah, but I, I, I tend to believe that there was a lot more inside uh, trading, we'll say, okay. going on in our government where, you know, People that were in our government were definitely influenced by the by the Almighty Dollar and certainly offices right. of power. Yeah, yeah, Almighty God versus the Almighty Dollar. There you go. Right. That's that's where it's at. Okay. All right. Please continue. I mean, obviously. Now, a quick question here because Thomas Jefferson was away in France as our representative, our ambassador there while the Constitution was being written. So he did not participate in the deliberations. But yeah, when he came back and finally read it all, maybe he read it, maybe a copy was sent to him while he was in France. Uh, yeah, so he, I know he had misgivings, but uh, you know, I, I never really delved into that. So any other misgivings here from uh, this? Uh, what? Uh, well, go ahead. Well, keep in mind that the there was there was basically. You're, you may be familiar, my wife brings this out, as the, the four universal laws. Or, uh, okay. There's another word that escapes me. And they are the, uh, the, the, North, the Northwest Ordinance, which uh, was established in 1787. And then there was the Articles of Confederation, okay, 
Okay. That was the law of the land between the Declaration of Independence in 1791 when the Constitution was was right. Penned. Okay. And so those four laws, which is the Constitution, the Articles of Confederation, the Declaration of Independence, and the Northwest Ordinance, okay. was was quoted as being the supreme laws of the land. It's what everybody who would be practicing law or be brought into a court would look to and quote from as being, uh, again, the supreme law of the land. But really, the Constitution was a federal document, and the Articles of Confederation were state government facts. So Jefferson felt like that the the power should be left in the state's hands, which tends to lean him toward the Articles of Confederation. Okay. And, of course, Hamilton did not. Right. So that's that's what okay. won out, and right. there okay. is a slant there. But aren't the Articles of Confederation conceived under British domination, under you know because the colonies were still under British control? To what extent did the Articles of Confederation give the colonies any independence from Britain at all? Well, they didn't. But okay. what they did do is establish uh, sovereignty uh, oh, okay. within the borders of their state. Okay. And that's what that's what Jefferson uh, that's I guess, liked about it. Yeah. yeah. So he's concerned about the sovereignty of each of the states slash colonies at that point in time. That's correct. And fearful of a Which, federal a federal uh, you know, d- dictatorship. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Which, which today has been perverted. We see democratically controlled states doing things that Trump has. He basically just has to stand aside, stand down until he is asked to come and sort it out and make okay. it straight. So in that way, the states do have power over the federal government. If yeah. the federal government does like Trump is constitutionally doing and giving them that right of passage that they already own. Right. Okay, so you're saying Trump is standing down because he understands he, he doesn't have, uh, you know, as executive of the federal government, he doesn't have dom- uh, dominion or jurisdiction in the states, which is correct. He doesn't. So, that's but correct. The, but that's not how the Supreme Court looks at it. They, they make all kinds well, of rulings that, that changing state law. They, they do not have jurisdiction there, as I read the Constitution. That's correct. They do not. But if a law, if a a case comes to the Supreme Court, they're not looking at the state's Supreme Court or the state's Constitution. They're looking at the federal Constitution to make their rendering. Sure. And there's a major difference in the two. Sure, sure. But let's say, well, let's consider the abortion law in New York State, which the Supreme Court had no problem with, you know. And uh, but then, if there's a state that wants to do an anti-abortion law, then the Supreme Court has a problem with that. That's inconsistent. Well, there's there's nine states right now that have uh, abortion laws on the books to where it is illegal to get an uh, an aborted okay. to have a, an abortion done within their state. Right. However, okay. however, the federal government, uh, of course, Roe versus Wade trumps that. Now, when that is overturned, immediately the states will revert back and, and enforce their oh. state-controlled uh, okay. anti-abortion laws that are on the books right now. Okay, now I understand why the progressives are so wacko crazy yeah. about this new candidate who's a Catholic, right? 
You got it. Oh, man. Okay. It. Yeah, all right. Okay. But I still, so these just, federal judges are illegally, unconstitutionally uh, inserting themselves into state decisions where they have no business ruling at all. So, Well, I, you know, that's, that's unfortunate but true. Okay. All right. <laughs> so know, th- th- Those fights have to be fought one fight at a time, and it, it, yeah. it does get into a quagmire. Yeah, and we're losing that. We're losing that battle big time. Uh, you know, for example, I recall a case in Michigan where the state of Michigan also, uh, I think it was a, a no, no, it was a, uh, the, the people of the state of Michigan were asked to vote on a resolution. One one man, one woman defines the marriage. OK, you're right. And I think I think it has 98 counties, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. And all but two counties voted in favor of it. The two counties that were against it were where the University of Michigan is, and the the state state of uh, what is it? What do you call Michigan it? Michigan State. Michigan State University, right? Those are the right. two only two counties in which voted against it. And guess you know, wow. guess what happened? Some judge well, came in and overruled the will of the people, and did these people claim to be in favor of democracy? I don't think so. Back to you. All right. Yeah. In okay. in my article, I I get into uh, a section, uh, Eli, where uh, I break down the plan that the enemy made uh, post Civil War to take over America, and it okay. is it's the three the three major sections are the territory, the judici- the judicial system, and the banking system. Okay. And so if if they had those three things, they would have control of America. And right. that's exactly what they did. Okay. The first one is the territory. The District of Columbia was established under Admiralty Law in 1876. And you can look that up. And then the, the second thing is the judicial system. That was established in its, uh-huh. we'll say, evil form. Right. In its evil form in... Um, 1870, one year later. Okay. So they, after the Civil War, they basically very quickly had the territory and the judicial system. The hard one was the banking system, and right. it was a step-by-step process. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had to assassinate Lincoln. They had to assassinate several <laughs> of our presidents to get that done. Right. Right. Okay, but well, I, I got a question here. I'm a bit confused. The territory of D.C. Now, D.C. existed. You know, Washington D.C. existed from the very beginning. Are you saying that there were, it did not have any representatives? It was just like it, a it did, office bill, office there. Go ahead. It did not exist, Eli, under a, a name. Okay. In other words, it was it was a city called Washington, but it didn't. And it, okay. It really wasn't designated District of Columbia until the United States, in all caps was constituted really okay so, yeah news to me. absolutely it's it's it's, it's okay. the act of of um of okay. 1869 the district of columbia act and okay. so i see okay right now for instance washington was a part of virginia or maryland right, right? i mean it's kind of on the border there it was a part of those states now after this act came about 
1869, it wasn't a part of either one of those states. It was an entity to itself. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's the difference. Okay. Well, there's a prophecy in the book of Revelation talking about the three frogs and the three uh, evil evil uh, Spirit. uh, spirits there. And I've always equated those to the city of London, where the banking establishment is. Washington, right. D.C., where all the, well, I guess the territorial <laughs> decisions are made. And then uh, yeah. also, uh, this would be international, the, the, the false, yeah, false prophet Vatican. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And so th- no, those that. those are cities unto themselves, independent of the territory around them. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's one hundred percent, absolutely correct. All right. Well, very good. And so, okay. The banking side of this system is is, like I said, much more difficult to nail down. Uh, for instance, the gold standard had to be removed in what it was in nineteen eleven, and then also in nineteen seventy one. So it was a step-by-step process. The institution of the Federal Reserve uh, was a part of this process. Um, the, I'm, I'm going through the article trying to hit some of the, the highlights. Fractional banking, the establishment of fractional banking was a part of this process. And today, right. our money is absolutely worthless. Yep. It is It is the petrodollar. It's based upon okay. uh, oil. And therefore, it, this is something that Trump is trying to bring back to America. Mm-hmm. He will fail in this regard, in my opinion. He doesn't have the power that he needs, mm-hmm. but this, this is at the forefront of his agenda. Okay. All right. Uh, but there's an interesting problem here because the, when we were talking about the uh, – What's the terminology again? Uh, the adhesion contract. The adhesion contract. Right. The the global banking system is going bankrupt. So what? Uh, how does the adhesion contract work after they put in? They're trying to they're trying to depopulate the planet. So this whole this very elaborate oh, no. system is is going to collapse, isn't it? Listen to me. Okay. The next step is is digital. There, it won't okay. be, there won't be any adhesion contracts. Their next step is to make everything digital to where you yeah. are the property. You will yeah. be mind uh, okay. into yeah. their agenda. Oh, and, and they have their okay. nanobot injected into you with the, their DNA uh, certification <laughs> of, of who you are. Uh, so the adhesion will be their, uh, their uh, so-called vaccine. <laughs> That's right. Boy, this that, is that, diabolical. Wow. This, this oh. is the reason I wrote this article. Right. It's because it's, it's, the freedom of man has been robbed yeah. on one level, but it's about to go to another level. That, and, oh, and, and yeah. Our father is going to step in. He's got to. He step has in. to. I mean, it, this, it can't yeah. go much further. I mean, if, if Bill. The, yeah. If Bill Gates. It gets. Injects all of these nanobot dots into our bodies with the luciferase uh, you know, enzyme, which lights up under the scanner, right? When you're shopping, or if it's in your forehead, you know, in their visual your facial detection monitors. I mean, they've got you. I mean, you can't do anything. You cannot buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And this is what Yeshua said in Matthew 24 when he said, "Unless." 
the time were shortened yeah. that no flesh would be saved alive. And, and the word flesh, Eli, goes back to our choices. Okay. And so he's, they're taking all choices and freedom away from us, which oh, is exactly to the point of this article. Interesting. Okay. All right. Please continue. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't want to read it ver- verbatim, but I, I would like to, um, uh, I would like to, to read the, the final little bit okay. of this. Uh, let me see where yeah. to begin. I'm just kind of scanning okay. it. There's a lot of information yeah. here. Yeah. And for people in the chat room, I put the link to your article. It's in the chat room. Uh, you might have to scroll up a little bit to find it and click on it where you can read it. And I will put it on the website along with the uh, you know, upload of this uh, this recording. You know, After we're done, I'll load it up onto the, uh, the website so people can read it there as well. Okay? All right. All right. The final paragraph or two basically says, Today at this moment in history, these two worlds, the law of the land and the law of the sea, are colliding as we see Yahweh's man, Donald Trump, working within the ad- he's working literally within the Admiralty Law system of the all caps United States as a kind of Trojan horse to rebuild the very temple or or government of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yahweh had had began to establish this government long ago, or as you might know it, make America great again. Right. And this, if you know anything about Daniel, the the uh, excuse me the ninth chapter where you have the seventy weeks prophecy right the one of the things that is in that list of things that Yahweh will do is he will rebuild his temple well temple is an is a a metaphor it is a mm-hmm. a typology of the word government so I see rebuild the temple as make America great again. Okay, and and I do I do believe that Donald Trump is that prince who has his weeks ministry interrupted in the middle, and then the evil prince comes in on the uh, wing of abominations, and uh, you know we could talk about who we think that might be. Uh, I do well, not think Trump Trump wins this election at all. Or, or if he wins it, he might be assassinated. You know, I mean that's all. Well, or, okay. or they'll cheat him. I mean, he may he may win the vote total, or mm-hmm. even the the uh, college show, but they're not going to let him become president. Right, but here, uh, it, it, let's say let's say he does. You know, they, I think they're working toward martial law. The the, the Rothschilds yes. want these conflicts going on in the, in the streets of our cities, so that the military can be brought in, martial law declared, and put us on an even bigger lockdown than we're under, we're under now. Bottom up, top down. Yep. That's, wow. that's exactly what that's called. Wow, it's yeah. going to get worse, folks, before it gets better. Oh man. Okay. All right. All right. I go on. I go on to say, as opposed to the king of Babylon's puppet, Joe Biden, who my wife makes the case could be the false prophet of Revelation. Okay. Uh, which means that Obama would be the beast. He is the mouthpiece. Um, okay. No, a very bad mouthpiece. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, with a so teleprompter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> or whoever actually runs as the Democratic Party representative. Scripture yeah. is pretty clear on the subject. Donald Trump is not allowed to continue this process. Okay. For those of you who are listening, I would ask you to go to Isaiah chapter 22 uh, 
and take a look at the final two verses of chapter 22, and what you're reading there is what will happen to Donald Trump. He was given the key of David. He was blessed by the Most High. He is Teflon Don. He done things that nobody else can do. That's exactly what Isaiah 22 says. But then read the final two verses in that chapter, and you will be astonished to find out that Yahweh himself brings Donald Trump down for the express purpose of punishing unrepentant Israel. Oh, yeah. And that's and, and, a fact. Right, and this is uh, the, the message I've tra- been trying to bring to identity and to you know mainstream Christianity. They're not going to listen. That uh, in, um, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 9, I believe, where Yahweh, I mean, there's good news and bad news about us. He, uh, Yahweh puts a mark on the foreheads of the righteous Israelites, which is comparable a to... Few. Yeah, a few, not many, but the, the righteous ones. Yep. Uh, which is comparable to the Passover blood on the lintel, okay? That's right. And, and those will be protected. But then the angel he sends uh, for judgment just slaughters the rest of the Israelites. I mean, we're talking about Israelites here. We're not talking about the enemies of Israel slaughtering the Israelites. Do you think that uh, that this is going to happen all over again? Yes, oh, okay. unequivocally. Okay. And, and the tool that Scripture says he uses is the king of Assyria. Okay, Now, right. that's a fascinating study. Uh, <laughs> right. Who and what the king of Assyria is, because you can take a map today and I challenge you to find the, the nation or, or well, kingdom of Assyria. It doesn't exist. Not anymore. No, but, not as a territory. <laughs> right? right. Okay. But I know, I think I know who's being spoken of there, and it, okay. it is a fascinating study. All right. Well, here, let, um, me, uh, let me read these last two verses here, Isaiah 22, 24, and 25. Okay. If you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. And they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house, the offspring and the issue, all vessels of small quantity, from the vessels of cups that's, even to the vessels of flagons. What are flagons? That's our economy. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, those are vessels of materialism that we have been blessed with today. That's our economy. It's, it's, right. It's, you can just yeah, and for that the, up. And for the first three years of his administration, he did build up the economy. You know, everything got, even yep. for blacks, it got better, okay? Although Black yep. Lives Matter won't admit it. All right, verse 25. In that day, saith Yahweh of hosts, shall the nail that is fastened in the sure place be removed and cut down and fall, and the burden that was upon it shall be cut off, for Yahweh hath spoken up. Okay, so if this is about Donald Trump, then, uh, yeah, it's, it's suggesting that he will have a great fall. He's been, he's, right. been, he's been set up. Back to you. Eli, but the, the story continues into chapter 23 and chapter 24, okay. which is the fall of, of ancient Tyre. Right. Now, what you need to know is, is that Tyre was the economic hub of the ancient world. It right. is literally the money system of Babylon. Okay. And so as Donald Trump falls, yeah. so falls the economy and that's not just the economy of America, it's the economy of the world. Right. Now, chapter chapter twenty four, I, I would I would like for you to turn to chapter twenty four okay. and just read the first couple of verses because okay. what you're reading there 
is what replaces capitalism when it falls, uh, and you're going to find that it's socialism. Okay. All right. Isaiah 24, verse 1. Behold, Yahweh yep. maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down. And that's terminology that every conservative pundit has been using. The world has been turned upside down. And scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof, and it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, also with the maid and her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled. Wow. You see what you see what's said there? No more will you have a person of wealth and a poor person. You will have all of the the classifications mm-hmm. the same. That's socialism. Right. The banker and the lender, right? Uh-huh. The slave and the master. Right. Everybody is on the, the even okay. keel. Well, okay. And, and that's yeah. what I see there. Okay. Yeah, that is on the the, the outside, what, what people perceive, what they believe is happening. But really... The banksters are still pulling the strings from behind the scenes, a la uh, Toto and Dorothy, right? And the Wizard of Oz? No. I, no? I disagree 100%. Okay. Chapter twenty, chapter 23 is their destruction. Oh, okay. I you see. see. That's, that's what I I'm see. saying. Very Trump good. falls, then the, the bankers are destroyed because Yahweh destroys okay. them. And what is left is socialism, uh-huh. which is a punishment unto itself. Right, you understand? Oh, for sure, for sure. But yeah. you know, but historically, what people call socialism has always been a a secret ploy of the ruling class. In these last yeah. two hundred years, it's been a ploy of the Rothschilds. It's it's basically communism and Zionism are con- conceived in the same Jewish mind as the you know thesis, antithesis, synthesis for us. So, okay, well, yeah, this what is a synthesis? I guess it's socialism. Yep. Okay. I mean, it's the purest form of socialism to where there is no advancement for people that try hard, right. and there is no poor right. people. You understand? It's it's right. They're basically just surviving. Right. Okay. I see. So, yeah. 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 And because one last. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, one last paragraph, and then, then I want to, uh, with your permission, I'd like to introduce one other topic here. Okay. Quickly. Please. Um, I end the the article with this statement. If you as the reader desire to be a part of the rebuilding after the coming destruction, you need to own the subject of the law of the land versus the law of the sea, rightly dividing the word of Yahweh in Scripture and in history. Okay. You see, the only way we're going to not um, repeat what we have fallen into is to own how it is that we fell into the predicament that we're in. Right. And I think that's the biggest point that I could, that I could bring to you today is that as believers, we're going to go into the kingdom as teachers. Right. And we've got to be able to teach what the principles of scripture are as these two entities, land and sea have warred against one another since literally the time of Cain. Right. I agree. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The counter the Cain created the counterfeit, uh, counterfeit seed line, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so, and then the counterfeit uh, uh, traditions, right? Okay. All right. right. So, and but no. Descent, 
Okay, what do you mean by this? And please repeat that last sentence, and then I'm going to ask you, what do you mean by these words in practical terms? Please repeat the statement again. Well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. read this last sentence again. Right? Yeah. It says, if you, as the reader, desire to be a part of the rebuilding after the coming destruction, you need to own the subject of the law of the land versus the law of the sea, rightly dividing the word of Yahweh in Scripture and in history. Okay, so what does, that, so, mean? What does that mean? What does the individual is- Israelite have to do here uh, in terms of owning the law of the land? He, he has to be able to open his Bible, his or her Bible, and be able to read law Okay. That is written in Scripture, and no, that falls into the category of covenant law, law of the land. Right. But this law falls into the category of Levitical priesthood law, law of the sea, and okay. he needs to be able to discern the difference between the two. Okay. Yeah. That well, is right. what God's government will be built upon. Right. Okay. Well, then, so at at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit hovered above the Israelites. After the uh, event at Calvary, uh, we were given a, a new lease on life, a new spirit, and we were spo- supposed to help us discern <laughs> the difference between good and evil, and uh, we were supposed to have a, 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 a generous spirit, a, a, welcome, a brotherly love spirit, uh, but the vast majority of our people have lost that somewhere along the way, and uh, I've been telling people, the only power that Satan really has is deception, okay? So somewhere along the line, our people have volunteered, well, not exactly volunteered, but they've been tricked, just like Eve was tricked by Nakash in the garden, into falling for all of these lies, okay? And so what was that? You said 1869 was the year... Let me let me try to grasp what you said uh, in that uh, uh, right here. Okay, so you break it down into three uh, three uh, parts: the territory, the judicial system, and the banking system. Okay, uh, so I didn't realize that the District of Columbia law was, wasn't there until 1869. Okay, absolutely. I had assumed it was always there. Okay, it, it, the District of Columbia was there, but again, it was a part of. Uh, the states that, that the territory right failing. okay either Maryland but, or Virginia uh, or possibly both or Virginia yeah okay right but All right. with with the establishment of the Act of the District of Columbia in 1869 it became its own entity and literally uh, like Eli if I was to ask you what are the six United States what would you say six because there's only six of them oh okay well there would have to be one of six of the original 13 colonies then that's my no be my no okay no absolutely well not. i'm not doing the too good today united, <laughs> all right <laughs> the six the six united states if i can remember all of them is the district of columbia the virgin uh, american virgin islands the american samoa the uh guam, Puerto Rico? guam is one of them these are outline areas, and they are literally the only United States that exist today. Okay, Puerto and Rico are, has to 
isn't Puerto, Puerto Rico, Rico is one. That's, okay. That's correct. Right. Okay. So when I start listing them off the top of my head, Haiti. I, I always lose one. Right. Not Haiti. But, Haiti would might be one. Uh, no. 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 It's not. Okay. Okay. Nope. All right. Oh. But you you uh, can Google it. Wake Islands. Yeah, I know there's Guam. Nobody would guess Guam because it's so far out in the Pacific, <laughs> right? right? So yeah, but see, okay. These are, these are bank banking uh-huh. territories. They are right. designed for the. In other words, every tax dollar that you pay in filters through one of these six governments, okay, I see. and they are all under the all caps United States. Right. Interesting. Georgia, Tennessee. Illinois, these are not United States. Okay. Uh, Sorry, what about, is, is Panama one of those? Nope. No? Okay. Because I, nope. I understood that one of them was actually on land. It wasn't an island. And uh, But uh, there was an article about you know how, how all these banks are located on this particular island, <laughs> right? So, uh, so I know that's what you ha- have to be talking about. Yeah, it's Mystery Babylon. That's right. Yeah. That is exactly right. right. You see, it wasn't until 1869 that this was even possible. Okay. Right. Okay. So how, what's the, well, I don't know if you, uh, I don't know where you're planning on going from this point here, but let me just ask the question now, uh, just uh, because it's fresh in my mind, that how does the 14th Amendment uh, what's the language in the 14th Amendment that allows for all this to happen? Okay. Well, did, did you... okay. It's, what we need to do is a full program on the 14th okay. Amendment. All right. Because it, 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 there's a foundation that has to be laid. The 14th Amendment doesn't stand alone. You understand? Okay. The 13th Amendment all right. comes with it, and also the 16th Amendment comes with it, which is, yeah. you know, the, the, the taxation that wasn't ever even ratified okay so uh i i'll i would like to go through it yeah it would take a lot of time oh right right okay well just uh keep on going where you were going (laughs) all right all right okay so um i mean basically the article speaks for itself I, i think it it really does whet a person's appetite to know more but if you want to know more from scripture let me whet your appetite a little bit further, and I want to talk about directly from Scripture some of the accounts that you would recognize that show the analogy of the law of the land, or or not just necessarily law yeah. of the land, but land versus sea. Right. Take, for instance, Eli, when Yeshua walked on the water during the storm, okay? Mm-hmm. That is not necessarily talking about the power of miracles and walking on the water the true depth of the understanding of that is the fact that Yeshua was showing his disciples that you can rise above the law of the sea and <laughs> literally walk above it. Okay. Take, for instance, Moses, when he parted the Red Sea. Moses means what? Drawn from the water. Okay. Okay. He right. parted the Red God, uh, Yahweh parted the Red Sea and walked, the children of Israel walked through on dry land. Right. If I ask you off the top of your head, Eli, to tell me what is the definition of Zion, what would you mm-hmm. say it is? Well, it's the kingdom of Yahweh. The right. Government, the government. The tr- yeah. That's right. But the true meaning of, look it up, of the word okay. Zion is defined as parched. 
totally void of any moisture whatsoever. Oh, okay. Interesting. Dry land. Dry land. Okay. So there's more to this subject than meets the eye. Right. Now, also, you, <laughs> you may not have considered this, but Egyptians, Egypt in scripture, in typology, are, we'll say, nominal Christians. Okay. Because the, the false Christianity that is taught today, every one of its accoutrements hails from Egypt. Okay. And so with that understanding, when you read Egypt and the prophets, you are reading the destruction of Christianity. And what right. happened when Moses led the children of Israel through the Red Sea? What was it that killed them, that killed the Egyptians? It was the water was that the water. closed in on them. Right. Okay. Now, if you take the destruction of Tyre, which we just talked about from right. Isaiah, if you, right. if you move that subject to Ezekiel, you have Ezekiel right. 26, 27, and 28, which all talk about the destruction of Tyre, but then it moves into Ezekiel 29, 30, 31, 32, which is the destruction of Egypt. Right. And you will find just what you're talking about from Ezekiel 9, uh-huh. where the quote-unquote Israelites, Christian Israelites, are destroyed when Tyre falls. When our economy falls, right. they're going to fall. They're going to fall, too. So. Because they're so bought right. into the system. They're totally bought into mammon. That's right. 100%. 501c3. Right? right. Oh, man. Yep. Wow. So, All this this yep. is just nothing but legalese, <laughs> Joey. <laughs> legalese. But this is it. This is how we have been tricked through their legalese de- definitions and deceptions. That's yeah. what it is. It's legalese. Think about this. Yeah. Is, uh, think about Israel. What are they called? The sand of the sea, right? Right, you, right. You shall be numbered <laughs> as the sand of the sea. But it's the it's the sand that keeps the sea from getting out of its borders. Right. Israel has has dominion over the sea. It controls right. it. But you right. got to know how. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, we're supposed to have great navies. We're the only people in the world that ever had, had great navies. You know, the Japanese tried. Yeah. You know. Uh, uh, but only Israel ever had great navies. Yeah, back to you. That's yeah. right. And okay. the sea gates. Don't forget the That's sea right. gates. That's right. That's too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. rural Britannia. Uh, <laughs> right. Where, okay. is, where is it that Leviathan dwells? Leviathan uh, is the sea serpent. Right, right. Where does yes. it dwell? In the sea. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I equate that serpent as George Soros today. <laughs> right, yeah. Leviathanus. I, I don't. <laughs> right. Well, I I call George Soros George Dinosaur. There you go. That, you know, right. Tells, <laughs> right. What he is. Very good. Um. You know yeah. the dragon in Revelation twelve that is standing. It's at the very end of Revelation twelve. Some put it at the beginning of thirteen, but it's the dragon that's standing on the seashore, watches the beast that rises up out of the what the sea. sea. Right. And that is very clearly the United States. All uh-huh. caps United States, the corporation. Right. Okay. A riverbank. A riverbank, Eli. Yeah. Right? Is a river is a part of the banking system that we talked about that they that the bankers established, the London bankers established in this nation. Currency. Mm-hmm. A river flows. It has current. Right. It has depth. Depth. If you are underwater in a loan, you are what? You're you're in the red. 
And by the way, it was the Red Sea that the children of Israel walked through. So yeah. all through the scripture, you have this battle of, against the sea using dry land, Zion, the coming kingdom of, God, of Yahweh, to, to the end result. That's what's coming. Right. And so okay. as, a, as a believer, we've got to be able to discern between these two sets of, of governments or right. government. Okay. <laughs> so in, in a sense, Paul was right when he referred to it as the curse of the law. And I always taught you know, that, that it, it's not the law itself that is a curse, but the punishments, the, the, the punishments that we deserve <laughs> that are the curse. Okay. But we inflict right. this on right. ourselves where I forget where the verse, I believe it's in Isaiah where it says, yeah, I, I create evil, but the word for That's evil right. for for evil there is not a violation of his law. What it's saying is I I give uh, punishment, judgment, chaos, destruction for and that's what we get for doing for doing evil evil deeds, which we are. Our people right. are saturated with evil. You know, you got Christians going right. to all these Hollywood movies, nothing but degenerate stuff. You got uh, Judeo churches t- uh, teaching Baal worship, feminism, homosexuality. I mean, p- pedophilia. Our people are doing these things. Back to you. Yeah, and we're, we've become numb to it as a society. We don't even look down. You know, we don't even bat an eye at some of these things that that's happening today. The woman that was arrested yesterday, or it, it came out yesterday for uh, not wearing a mask at her kid's football game. I don't know if you saw that or not. No, I didn't. Tucker made a big deal out of it. It was awful. I mean, and, and people just stood by and watched. Right. They didn't raise a voice. They didn't say no. They didn't come to her aid. And this cop, this Negro mm. cop, oh. big old yeah. African-looking thing, just right. laid on her, tased her, Ooh, and then handcuffed geez. her and carried her away because she was not wearing a mask. Wow. She couldn't have weighed more than 100 pounds. My God. Talk about tyranny. Total, absolute tyranny. Yeah, at the same time, the governor of Florida has declared an end to the lockdown and, uh, you know, face mask wearing and all of it. He said it's it's over. It's over in Florida. So what state was this in? That was in Ohio. Ohio. Wow. Okay, we got a long way to go, folks. <laughs> right? Yeah. We have got a long way to go. Okay, but uh, I mean that judgment to to carry forward that imagery from Ezekiel chapter nine, where the righteous Israelites are given a mark on their foreheads. This is a totally different mark from the mark of the beast. That right. uh, that we <laughs> will be spared because of our righteousness. Eli, it's the same mark that is placed in Revelation 7 upon the 144,000. Oh, let me go there. Yeah. Have, ma- have maintained their purity. Okay. And that isn't too many. <laughs> uh, uh, people ask me this question all the time. Do you take that number 144,000 literally or figuratively? I'm asking Some you. Some know. Uh-huh. This is this is an important thing to consider when you're reading Revelation seven, and that is that there are 144,000 family names, bloodlines, however you want to put it, within oh. the house of Israel at okay. the end time. Okay, and there is a 
there is a family priest for one uh, for one priest okay. for each family. Okay, that's so one hundred forty-four thousand. So you're saying they're heads of households. They are, but there's 144, yeah. we'll say, we'll call them DNA bloodlines that yeah. hold family names, William, okay. Thompson, so on. Right. You know, and, and these would be what, the priesthood of the Order of Melchizedek? That's exactly right. Okay. Under Yeshua, our high priest. Yeah, yeah. I like it. That's the best interpretation I've ever heard. <laughs> you get a hundred merits for that. <laughs> right. All right. Okay. Not you're, sure what I, that I, means. I, I guarantee. Well, you're guaranteed a place in the kingdom. <laughs> oh, okay. You, you top ninety-nine merits. That's excellent. My I like wife that. would call that brownie points. All uh, right. <laughs> right. I don't know oh. when I get to cash those in, but right. I, I've got a few right. of them. Yeah, well, go go to the Rothschilds. <laughs> they'll 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 turn them into debt. <laughs> they'll yeah. turn that into money and cause debt, right? Wow, I mean, they already it's, have. It's, yeah, yes, they already have. Okay, so okay, one more point because uh, I kind of glossed over when you, when you were talking about tire. I've been doing working yeah. on a series which I have yet to uh, actually do a final version of that uh, when the Babylonian banker priests of Babylon, they, uh, they moved to Greece and, uh, and then ultimately to Rome. But during the Persian period, the, I was having great difficulty tracing, well, where did these banker priests, the Babylonian banker priests, where did they go? And I, I think you just tipped me off. They might have gone to uh, uh, Pergamos, which is not that far from Tyre, so uh, there might there might have been a, a connection with Tyre because I agree uh, Tyre and uh, your know, Tyre is not spoken of kindly in Scripture. Uh, it was a, right. a, a, a seafaring merchant empire. That's right. That's right. Okay. That is exactly right. Wow. Okay. So that's probably and I've told people. Well, you know, the is pro- the Israelites were probably the sailors on those ships, the so-called Phoenicians. But the mm-hmm. business, the transactions were probably controlled by Canaanites, you know. And uh, you know, that's an, that's an interesting take. At that okay. time in history, though, it, it well, let's see. Are you talking about during the uh, the fall of Babylon under Cyrus well, 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 and, yeah. and Darius? Right, and, right, yeah, right after that. Okay. Right after that. So I would have to trace where when was Tyre at its heyday, you know, as a seafaring area because. It uh, it was it did not have an army or navy. You know, they had a few. They had ships, but those were merchant ships. They were not military ships or navy ships, right? It was a strictly what, mercantile empire. What made Tyre a, an analogy of a ship was the island that it was located off of the coast. Okay. Because remember, Tyre was oh, destroyed and it Manhattan. was established on the island. I yeah. see Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's right. I see S E A Manhattan. Right. <laughs> okay. You got it. I'm playing word games here, but I like it. I really like it. All right. Okay. So again, uh, let me just tell everybody. Uh, my guest today has been Joey Thompson. And the article we've been reading from, which is really excellent, I encourage everybody to read it. And I'll put it up on the website, Why the Original Constitution of the United States Cannot Work Today. 
we have been usurped by the satanic power and their, their gross deception, their, their legalese. And uh, I don't know, because we're living in the church of Laodicea, our people don't seem to give a damn. Okay. Final That's words right. from you, less than, less than half a minute. Okay. Well, I, w- I would say bringing up Laodicea is the reason that Laodicea has the greatest reward is because they have the most to overcome. It's right. easy okay. to be a, a Christian right. ages ago. A believer today has got to overcome all oh, of the man. You have that Babylon to be a, brings. And he says you, only those who overcome shall be saved. Excellent point. All right, Joey. Great show. I, ha- I thoroughly enjoyed this. All right, and I'll be in touch with you about, uh, let's follow this up in the future, okay? Blessings to you, Eli. Yeah, blessings to you. Yahweh bless. All right, folks, thanks for listening. This is the Restoration Hour on Eurofolk Radio. Thank you. Free people will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests.